How you ain't gon' cut? Girl, I'm me. I'm the guy. Reason you in VIP. CEO, you don't have to CID. I'm young, wild, and like G.I. Lee. Blah! We ain't got nothing to worry about. Whoop! Let security carry him out. Watch out for the medallion. Oh, it is episode 139 of DFS MVP. Four for fours. DFS MVP. 4for4.com's director of DFS, TJ Hernandez, alongside me. I'm holding Kushner. What's going on, TJ? You are you giving me as you would make me say Luda? Because I cannot say ludicrous. <laughs> I have to say Luda. Yeah, you have to say Luda. Uh, and the Shawana. intro music. Yeah, and Shauna. Shauna, excuse me. The the intro music there, stand up from the classic Ludicrous album chicken and beer from 2003 as always you can find that intro along with all of the other dfs mvp intros on the dfs mvp spotify playlist go to spotify search dfs mvp or check my twitter i'm always tweeting out the link to the playlist along with the link to the podcast before we get into everything today just want to let you guys know underdog fantasy just released an all-new format for their snake drafts called battle royale these are one week snake drafts where you not only play against the teams in your draft but you play against other leagues that drafted this sets up a really cool tournament style structure to play search underdog fantasy in your app store or go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the code four for four. That's the number four, F-O-R, the number four, to let them know that we sent you. You're getting good at those reads. Yeah, you man. Really have. You're a lot Lots of practice. Lots yeah. of practice. Um, I'm getting, I'm getting I, my radial face ready. Good job. We can't move on to DFS until I address something with you. Uh, speaking of chicken and beer. <laughs> okay what do you prefer would you prefer chicken or beer what could you not live without probably beer right oh man you know what actually i am i i do love beer but i am more of a booze guy than a beer guy uh-huh. and i mean i don't think you'll ever see me happier than when i sit down for a nice meal so i'm gonna take the chicken over the beer as long as i could keep my whiskey. Yes, I think that is a wise move on your part. Do you eat fried chicken? What is your? Oh fr- do you hell like yeah! Chicken nuggets. Do you like chicken nuggets? Dude, all of it. All, there's not too much good food that I'll turn away. Um, if I had to pick a uh, a way to have my chicken, I would probably go chicken and waffles. Chicken and waffles. Yeah, man. And beer. Yeah, but we have to pick one, right? Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. I think that's <laughs> terrific. I don't yeah, need chicken and waffles fried move. chicken. I eat a lot of chicken nuggets. Are uh, yeah. you a, a dark meat or a light meat guy? Well, if you go to Roscoe's in LA, you can get one of each. And that's Ooh, the that move right there. Delicious. But the, the trick, you got to find a good proper fried chicken place because, I mean, they can do it. Uh, a place can mess up fried chicken, but good fried chicken, man, that's a hard meal to beat. Where what's the best fried chicken in San Diego? Have you tried it? Have you, you tried know, San, it all yet? San Diego, out of as great of a food city as it is, the two places it it definitely lacks is barbecue and soul food. Oh, so, so if you, I mean, there's a couple spots, but barbecue. if you're in San Diego, plan move to San Diego, and you want to make a dent, those are the two. Those are the two places. Barbecue. How could you not love barbecue? I know. Got to step it up, San Too Diego. Too many vegans but, but, out there, dude. <laughs> no, nah, man. San Diego has a great food and drink scene. <laughs> All right. I know. I, I find that everything out there is amazing. Okay. Week six plays. No more chicken. No more beer. 
week six plays goal oriented bankroll strategy. We yeah. talk bankroll again in our uh, theory segment. Can, yeah, can this one's a little, a little different. Yeah, this one's a little bit different. We're gonna get a little way f- away from the the numbers that we've talked about in the past a little bit and and talk like theory and 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 kind of like mindset of how people approach bankroll. So I think this one will be. I think this one will really apply to a lot of our listeners behind the scenes of bankroll. Yeah. So sign up now with the promo code DFS MVP. Get twenty five percent off the already discounted price. Get the access to our Discord channel with the sub. That's huge. Now, yeah. the Discord has just changed everything as far as interaction between subs and the staff, TJ. Yeah, man, it's it's really blown up. I mean, I, I can't be in there 24-7, obviously, because I'm I'm working and, and making all of this content that I know you guys love so much. Um, but it's it's been really fun. It just sets up a really dynamic uh, uh, place between us and and the users. I mean, in years past, I'm I'm sending this stuff out into the ether and hoping one person tweets me so I know that people enjoy it. But uh, when we post these articles, when we post ownership percentages, when I'm building lineups on Saturday, uh, I'm connected one on one with everybody that's a four for four sub that that is uh, in Discord, and uh, it's it's fun to talk lineup strategy to. Um, hear what other people are thinking we have a lot of sharp people that subscribe to four for four so they throw out some ideas that i end up using on sunday myself and Hmm. that time between saturday night and sunday morning um i mean as much as i update the articles the back and forth we have is has been good and a lot of people especially for the gpp side of thing i mean cash there's very rarely are things going to change too much. We're almost always talking like maybe one or two really hard decisions with where, where everything else is more or less cut and dry. But uh, those GPPs where, where we decide how we really want to attack the slate. Uh, we've had a lot of success this year and, and some big winners. We had a, a 20K, 30K winner a couple of weeks ago. A lot of people uh, taking down um, some, some nice size GPPs. So it's been fun, man. I, I really encourage people to get in there. Let's get into this. Week six. It is a... It's a slate that's missing some superstars, right? So yeah. we don't have Mahomes. None of the Chiefs, but we don't have Mahomes. We don't have Kyler yeah. Murray coming off. What was it? Three hundred and eighty yards. Yep. In the area Career the high. My God. No, none of your. Uh, I don't even know what he is. Like your son. It's just so weird with you and Josh Allen at this point. It's I my used guy. to think it was great. Now it's just weird. You look alike. <laughs> uh, you know. Oh God. No Dak for the no rest Dak, of the season. Man. Before we do that. Before we do this. Just your thoughts on Andy Dalton going forward. Uh, top 12 fantasy quarterback. Um, cool. You know, we, we've seen him. Uh, he, he'll add a little bit of mobility. He's he's rushed for a lot of touchdowns in his career, so he'll be selectively mobile. Uh, amazing weapons in Dallas. Um, one of the best um, uh, running backs in the game. So he'll be fine. We've seen him be a successful fantasy quarterback before. He's probably the best backup uh, in the league. Uh, and, I mean, we just whether it's redraft or or daily like we're pretty good as a industry not just us but as an industry at projecting the quarterback position so we're gonna be able to pick and choose the spots for dalton um if you're in redraft he's not a player that you're gonna need to like plug and play but he has that kind of upside so yeah he's i, I think dallas is obviously takes a huge hit um but from a fantasy perspective i don't know that everybody falls off that much 
except for the quarterback position, obviously. But I mean, I think the I think Zeke will be fine. Um, Amari will be fine. Gallup and CD are gonna fluctuate, and who who has the weeks where they ball out? But I, I think they'll be okay. I mean, obviously hurts their real life chances, but uh, yeah, Dalton will be not gonna be a top three or four quarterback like Dak, but starter level for sure. Our redheaded friend did like C.D. Lamb a couple times, though. That was yeah, nice to see. Yeah. All right, so let's start. Tannehill, short week, taking on Houston, 7,300 FanDuel, 5,900 DraftKings. Uh, nice little total here at 55, TJ. Yeah, this is like a – I mean, you mentioned it, all the players that aren't on the main slate and then Lamar priced way up, and we don't – no one really feels like you have to jam Lamar. Like, this is an old-school type of slate where we're really just looking for the value at quarterback. We've been paying up at quarterback um, a ton, and it's really going to change the dynamic of how we build lineups, at least in cash games, a little bit this week compared to the first five weeks of the season. Um, so Ryan Tannehill really stands out as – like one of those values. He is obviously going to give you uh, a little bit on the ground. We saw him have a really good rushing game on Tuesday night um, against the Bills, but this spot just set up, sets up great for him um, as a passer, as three-point favorites in a game against Houston with the 55-point over-under. As you mentioned, we have Ryan Tannehill projected as, as the top quarterback value um, on both sides, and I mentioned that they played on Tuesday night, so both sides tried to wait to push out the slates as long as possible but you also have to get them filled so usually we have the the monday night price saving uh this week it's the tuesday night price saving everybody that played or at least all the titans that played on tuesday night um that balled out or the the, a couple that we're going to mention here uh end up really underpriced because the the salary didn't get to account for what they did on tuesday uh after that game ryan Tannehill's efficiency pretty close to where we saw it last year he's top five in, in fantasy points per pass attempt that isn't a metric that we have mentioned yet this year on this podcast but one that we talked a lot about last year now that we have a decent sample size i think you'll start hearing it a lot more it just it's a really quick way to measure efficiency which is what we care about with our quarterbacks how efficient are they so fantasy points per attempt kind of rolls that all into one number uh and when we look at efficiency look at the other side of it as well like how efficient our quarterbacks against defenses instead of just looking at something like raw points because so much can go into it touchdowns obviously rushing yards so houston is a really interesting case study in this in that they uh they've allowed the eighth fewest fantasy points per game to quarterback so from a raw fantasy point allowed uh point of view they they look pretty good but They've allowed the ninth most fantasy points per pass attempt. So quarterbacks have been very efficient throwing against the Texans. And I think we'll see Ryan Tannehill take advantage of that. This is going to be a fast-paced game. Houston throws at the highest rate in neutral passing rate. So that'll keep the tempo up for both sides. This is the only game of the week with two offenses ranked in the top 10 in neutral pace, according to Football Outsiders. So that 55-point over-under makes a ton of sense. I mean, all Tannehill does is get multiple touchdowns. He's got two he, four touchdown games this year. One he ran, he went, he ran one in last week with three, and then he had a four. I mean, it's it's a good quarterback. He's a decent fantasy option and a DFS option. Yeah, and it's probably not a coincidence that uh, his big game last week came with AJ Brown back. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not only and and not only that, I was so happy to see that John who still got the work too. So yeah, uh, I like that offense. 
it's it's sneaky good with Tannehill. Matt Stafford. See, I think this is going to be a game that as the week goes on, the sharper players will be playing a lot from. I think even a tournament. Stafford, 7,300 FanDuel, 6,300 against Jacksonville. And, I mean, this this game has... I mean, you could see a lot of different ways playing out where it ends up with a lot of scoring. Yeah, we we um, we mentioned some of the most explosive offenses in the league not on this slate. So I think really we're going to see a lot of ownership loaded up on three games. The one we already mentioned, Tennessee-Houston. You talked about this one, Detroit-Jacksonville, and then Atlanta-Minnesota. As we go through this podcast, you'll see those games and teams um, as a very common theme, but Stafford, uh, affordable, similar price to Tannehill. So the, the reason, I mean, some, we try to give different salary ranges when we can. Um, but this is a pretty unique week in that if you're playing cash, you're going to notice a lot of the values from the same game. So like we always talk about here, how much do you want to stack in cash? How much variance do you want to take on for one team or for one game? So you kind of, luckily we have these price pivots which is usually a gpp term but similar value similar price in cash games where if you don't want to load up on a bunch of texans and titans you can easily pivot from Tannehill to stafford against jacksonville this is another game 54 and a half point over under the spread just three and a half um in favor of detroit and that makes detroit one of three teams with an implied point total of 29 first time maybe all season definitely in the last few weeks that we don't have a bunch of teams with implied point totals of 30 or more so the high implied point total 29 this week uh jacksonville is the only defense in the league that four for four schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed ranks in the bottom 10 against every skill position. So bottom 10 against quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends are the Jacksonville Jaguars. That includes a 27th ranking against the quarterbacks. And uh, we saw Kenny Galladay come back two weeks ago. Um, He had a good game. And I really believe that having Kenny Galladay at full health is going to get Detroit kind of back to that efficient passing game that we saw last year. Two weeks, I guess it's uh, three weeks ago since Detroit had the bye, but two games ago, uh, Galladay only played about, I think it was 70% of the snaps. We saw that go up in week four, and probably not coincidentally, we saw Stafford with his highest average depth of target of the season uh, in their fourth game. Uh, Average depth of target over 10 yards. Uh, Jacksonville, they have allowed the fifth most deep balls um those are passes 15 plus yards downfield and teams have thrown an average of 8.3 yards downfield on each throw uh that's the seventh highest against any defense in the league so basically i think we see stafford get back to that deep ball rate that we saw last year last year he led the league in deep ball rate it's been down this year but uh, as i mentioned we saw that we saw that a dot go up uh in week four jacksonville is the second lowest adjusted sack rate according to football outsiders so those deep dropbacks that require those deep throws stafford should have plenty of time to do that against this defense and i don't even know how many players they have coming back that they missed last week they're still really banged up in addition mm-hmm. to being bad already no doubt about it all right, we got running backs now. We're sitting here taping this on Wednesday night. So mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook missed practice. He's got a groin tweak. It really would not make sense to play him. 
uh, at this point if he continues to miss practices. I mean, if he misses the yeah. next, yeah. I think if he misses Thursday, it's bad. Friday, obviously, is yeah. And I think if I think they're just they have a bye in in week seven, so yeah. Yeah. it wouldn't make it's just like is seems super obvious that they would just let even if he's like good to go, but not even close to 100%, like, it would just make a ton of sense for Dalvin not to play this week. He's always hurt. Always hurt. And Dalvin said this guy is bigger. He's The only difference is that he's bigger. I'm like, what are you trying to (laughs) give him your job or something? 7K FanDuel, 7,200 DK, taking on Atlanta. And uh, this guy really is extremely talented. I know he came up short on that fourth down, but he could do everything. They love going to him in the red zone. Um, Alexander Madison this week. Yeah, usually this is a spot where we see uh, the the proverbial free square, um, but with the slates getting pushed back a little bit later, uh, Alexander Madison priced appropriately. Uh, even even though there's nothing official that Dalvin's going to be out priced up um, as a top five or six running back, depending what site you're going to be on, but still not like egregiously high. So it's going to make him a really good value, as you mentioned the uh, the salaries on each site. This is another game that's going to be very high scoring, which is good for touchdown upside for any position. Uh, It does help that Minnesota is a slight favorite, three and a half point favorites over the Falcons. Uh, Minnesota runs at the highest rate in the league in neutral game script. I don't think that changes much with Madison. We saw him get 23 touches last week uh, in a game where he split time. Now, obviously, Minnesota isn't going to offer their running backs. It was something crazy. Like they had like 48 total touches to their running backs last week. Obviously not sustainable, but the point is um, in a full game, starting getting the full uh, the full workload, 20 touch upside easily here. We have him projected as a top three value on both sides. He's the top value on FanDuel. Atlanta's defense bad. Their team in shambles. Everything going the wrong way for Atlanta. So three and a half points. I know both teams, uh, I know they combined, what, combined for one total win between the two. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think uh, Minnesota can, can start clicking in this one against Atlanta team that's in pretty rough shape. All right, so I wonder if the next play is is much more matchup based as opposed to actual talent. This is a guy that <laughs> that I, you know, I kind of put him in a GP early, early week GPP pool, and maybe it's going to be he's going to be so popular this week. Carolina is so awful. Um, at, at, listen, they're three and two, so awful. Now there's who's the defensive tackle that's going to miss time now? Oh man, I can't remember it. Ugh. They're going to be without their starting tackle, too. And uh, this is just going to be a field day. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're already the the worst defense in the league in terms of defending the running back Carolina is. Um, adjust for strength of schedule, ranked 32nd on 4 for 4. Adjust for strength of schedule, top team actually against quarterback. So they are the most obvious run funnel in the league. Uh, you talked about David Montgomery talent. I mean... Yeah, he only he only uh, averaged 2.8 yards per carry in his last two games against Indian Tampa Bay, but those are very good defenses. On the flip side, we saw him set career highs, six targets in week four, eight targets uh, in week five. That's promising. Without Tariq Cohen in there, 100% of the backfield touches now. In week four, that was only 13 touches. In week five, that was 17 touches against this Carolina defense i think that turns into 
21, 22, 23 touches. Uh, four running backs have scored at least 23 half PPR points already against this Carolina defense. They've tied for the most receptions allowed to opposing running backs. Uh, so with that target share that David Montgomery's been seeing, uh, we go with the we go with the workload here and just trust the process, trust the price. Um, there, there's quite there's there's a couple value saving running backs uh, this week, but I really think you need to point out David Montgomery just because of how bad Carolina has been against running backs this yep. year. Quan Short, that's who I was thinking. Okay, of. yeah, that's huge. That's big. And his backup uh, Zach Kerr is limited too. So good. Just go run injuries all over. everywhere. Yep. Wide receivers. Before we get to your guys, okay? I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you a hint. And let's see if you get who it is. He's only played in three games this year, though, okay? Okay. 33 targets, 22 catches in three games. He's gone over 100 yards all three games. He's got a touchdown in two of three games. He is sixth in total air yards on the year in just three games, and he's averaging 25.5 DK points per game. Who is this? Oh, man. He's only 6.1 on DK is, and 6.6 on FanDuel. I, it sounds like Jamison Crowder. Yeah. That's it. Oh, the only reason I knew that is because of because I wrote him up somewhere today. I love him. And you hit on a couple points I touched on. So I, I, I am not that smart. I just happened to write about it a couple minutes ago. Oh, yeah. Now you don't think you're smart because I brought it up. Thanks. No, Thanks for just I, no, I was trying poop. to, I I'm was kidding. trying to, I was trying to give you credit in terms of that. I didn't just come up with your, yeah, I know. the answer to your hints. I'm, I'm grinding this year now. <laughs> this is like the first year I've yeah, ever man. like spent my whole day doing this stuff. It's a lot of fun. The, the, I'll, I'll, I'll actually be completely honest with you. The only reason I, I knew that answer off the top of my head is because I looked at Mike Davis's targets earlier mm-hmm. today and noticed that they were exactly the same as Jamison Crowder's. So it was the 30, it was the 33 that, that reminded me of who it was. That's how, so that's almost a discussion in itself about Christian McCaffrey. The guy is <laughs> yeah. a remarkable talent. Mike Davis is not an, a, the nice thing about him is that he can catch the ball, Yeah, but he is nothing special. Nothing. Right, right. So <laughs> I, I agree with you on that one. Oh boy. Speaking of speaking of bears running backs and talent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Adam Thielen. Let's go to wide receiver. 7,400 Fandle, 7,300 DK taken on at Atlanta. And Adam Thielen is another guy, right? I mean, all he does is yep. just eat targets. Yeah. I mean, as, as I mentioned up top with Madison, with the quarterbacks, there's, there's going to be a lot of ownership, a lot of cash game values concentrated just around those three games that we mentioned. So, um, I mean, sometimes there'll be weeks where we can give alternative plays and sometimes it's just the best play to look at that concentration and mix and match based on how you want to balance out your team between these games. And this is one of those weeks. So this is going to be a podcast where we're really just focusing in, focusing in on a few teams and, and the value uh, tells us to do that. So Thielen 7,400 on FanDuel, 7,300 on DraftKings. He, I, I would argue that he has the safest floor 
of um, any wide receiver, uh, maybe in the league, definitely on the slate with DeAndre Hopkins not being on the main slate. Thielen second in target share, leads the league in share of air yards, the only wide receiver or player even close to a 50% air yard share, 48% air yards. <laughs> a ridiculous 70% of the team's red zone targets. He's not going to keep that up, but I just wanted to say that because it's such a crazy high number. I think the next closest guy is at like 38% or something like that. So like they're not even looking at anyone else in the red zone right now. They're either running it or throwing it to Thielen. Uh, the Vikings, as I mentioned with Madison, they've really favored the run. Um, one of two teams that has ran over 50% of the time in neutral game script. So if you look at Thielen's, Average target numbers below nine targets per game, but the last two weeks, uh, ten plus targets. So that's that's very um, promising that he has that double digit target in his range of outcomes. And then cornerback Kendall uh, Sheffield for the Falcons, uh, according to Mike Clay, the highest target rate in the league. Sheffield targeted on almost thirty five percent of routes that receivers have run. So Thielen will match up with Sheffield quite a bit this week. Hmm. Allen Robinson is another guy too. Yeah, man. I wonder if he's going to be really popular in GPP. If it's going to be too much, I feel like if you don't have the three or four hundred bucks, you just go up. You just go down to to Robinson. Yeah, there's a few players in that range. We got a Rob there. Um, as as I mentioned, with Carolina, they've really been a run funnel. They've they've locked mm-hmm. down the passing game pretty well, and I don't know if that's a function of them being a good defense on a good secondary or just so bad um against uh running back so wide receivers are, are still they're not going to need their quarterbacks to ball out to have a good game so like those passing rankings i think when you have somebody like an a-rob who gets such a big percentage of the targets you could throw the matchup out the window a little bit if he's seen 10 or 11 targets he's going to be fine so yeah Thielen um A-Rob Galladay I think they're somewhat interchangeable depending on what you're trying to do with your lineups dude leads the NFL in targets yeah it's amazing big A-Rob guy AJ Brown this is the only free square we get right closest thing yeah closest thing to it uh I mean as we mentioned with the with the uh, Tuesday night game pricing, not catching up to what he did on Tuesday night, put up a 782 in one line. Uh, probably more important is the fact that that was a 32% target share. Uh, not much else to say about Brown that we haven't already said about this game. Uh, in general, I think it's just a matter of how you want to balance your Titans and, and Texans in, um, in cash games. If you're, if you're okay with stacking, you might pair AJ Brown with, Tannehill um if you want correlation but not a true stack you can play AJ Brown with with Deshaun Watson who we didn't mention uh we also have receivers in this game that are probably cash viable because of the shootout potential so Fuller is a pretty natural pivot on FanDuel Cooks isn't a perfect pivot on DraftKings but he is uh $600 cheaper than AJ Brown so Kind of the point of bringing up A.J. Brown is just to bring up the receivers in this game and, and mm-hmm. point out that they are affordable and cash viable across the board. Oh, man, A.J. Brown. He's going to be like, what, 75 80% in cash? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if a receiver will be that high, but he'll be he'll be high. I, I, I would guess if you're in a like... If you're playing a, especially on Fanduel where he's... That, that 5,600 yeah. accounts for a smaller percentage salary. If you're playing in some kind of like thousand person double up or, or 50 50 or whatever the contest they have i would say 
40-ish percent probably. Like top running backs we see around 65 to 70%. So a wide receiver this cheap, I would say probably around like 40% and a huge double up. I mean, I um, which I is really like high for a receiver. couple of guys last week that were just outrageously. There was a 90% on back. There was, it, it was a wild week last week. That was the first loss I took this year and it was a bloodbath. <laughs> yeah, it's uh I got my butt whooped. Yeah. But uh, it happens. That's why we come back next week. We still got to. Hopefully, we have a week eighteen. That's what that's I. Why hope. We're talking about proper proper bankroll management yeah. at the end of the podcast. Very very. So we good. can sustain those tough weeks. All right, I don't like Marquise Brown. It's Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown, sixty three hundred Fanduel, sixty five hundred DraftKings. I mean, I, he's healthy enough now. And besides for Andrews, I, I actually this guy's his number one target, isn't he? Yeah, I like. Marquise just because it auto links on four for four and I don't have to do any extra work. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, no, uh, he's a player. That I, I think we mentioned him last week on the pod. I can't remember. I definitely wrote him up just because he was a player that he stood out over everybody else in terms of target share and just overall share of the offense that hadn't really blown up yet. He did score a touchdown last week, but didn't have like a crazy ceiling game. So I still think that he's probably going to fly under the radar a little bit. Um, he's really cheap on FanDuel. 6,500 on DraftKings isn't so cheap that he's going. I don't think he's going to be a, a smash cash game play for most people, but he's in a fantastic spot against Philly who has struggled in the secondary. If we adjust for strength of schedule, 29th against wide receivers. Uh, Hollywood is one of three players with, <laughs> a, t- <laughs> with a target share of, of at least one of three players with a target share over 27% and an air yard share over 40%. So just accounting for a crazy portion of Baltimore's passing game. Last week, he saw double-digit targets for the first time this season, and I don't think that was an accident. You mentioned on the podcast last week when I brought up Lamar, his injury. And then we saw him only rush two times last week, which is very not Lamar thing to do. So I think that means that the injury is probably a little bit more than Baltimore's letting on. I don't think that that is going to affect um, the overall outcome of this offense. It obviously kills Lamar's floor if he isn't running, but I do think that if they are throwing more, if as long as he's healthy enough to be dropping back and throwing against his Philly defense, which obviously is, they're just not going to want him on a ton of desire run. He's not going to run 10 times, but He's still in a really good spot, still an efficient passer, still throwing for a high touchdown rate, still has amazing weapons in Hollywood and in Mark Andrews that he, we finally see Lamar just tear up a team with his arm. He's down uh, four carries a game and he's down 37 yards rushing a game. Yep. That is significant. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, I, I, but we saw him I bust, didn't ex- saw him bust that fifty yarder against the right, right. Washington team. But he's not. He's gonna right. be as long as he's not injured. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be fine. But like the last week, he rushed twice. So that knee, mm-hmm. I think, is it's it could be a lingering issue all year, and it could really affect his performance as a fantasy yep. quarterback. He's gonna be fine. He's gonna have games like where he's crazy efficient. I think this is gonna be one of them. I think this be like Mahomes, um, yeah, last year for sure. Yeah, Mahomes really, really, had the, really good. Yeah, Mahomes had the amazing year, took a step back. A lot of that was from injury. Yep. Now, Jackson, same thing. 
Yep. That'd be fine. Uh, Hawkinson at tight end. 5,700 Fanduel, 5,300 DK. My boy, Johnny Smith, 5,800 on Fanduel. That's my tight end. 5,200 on DraftKings. You know what the best part about Smith was? Brown comes out. Johnny still gets his touchdowns. Although one shouldn't have counted, but he still got his touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he did. And Hawkinson and Smith, uh, surprisingly, if you are going to talk about floors for tight ends you can argue that these are two of the safest tight ends at least in terms of fantasy scoring this year outside besides travis kelsey tj hawkinson and johnny smith are the only players that have scored at least seven half ppr points in every game that they've played this year uh smith has at least seven targets in three of four games it's a pretty high number for a tight end he has half of the titans targets inside the 10 yard line so like you said he scored his touchdowns it's not an accident he's who Tannehill's looking to in the red zone aj brown will cut into that a little bit but we like seeing a a tight end that is a red zone target and then the lions they've spread out their passing offense quite a bit especially uh, when Galladay was out, but with that, Hawkinson is the only player that's seen at least four targets in every game for Detroit. He's a uh, high average depth of target, um, uh, or can be a high average depth of target tight end. He he was last year. He's actually been relatively low this year, but I mentioned we saw Stafford start to stretch it a little bit last week, and I think that continues, so that helps Hawkinson's ceiling along with the floor that we've seen him offer this year. So these guys, again, top of our value chart on both sides, uh, interchangeable somewhat in terms of price, interchangeable somewhat in terms of floor and situation, depending on what you're doing elsewhere, um, how much you want exposure to these two teams or offenses or the other offenses you're rotating through. So again, a lot of players from the same offenses this week, but I, that's really okay. Um, it's it's just a week where without all these elite offenses on the slate, uh, things are really compressed between a few games. Uh, real quick on the defensive side, because they're facing the Jets, the Dolphins are 4,400 on FanDuel, 2,900 DK. I think they make a lot of sense on DraftKings. And then the Giants, 3,900 FanDuel, 32 DK, going up against the Washington football team. Um, both um, favorites, Dolphins really big favorites, eight-point favorites against the Jets team that uh, ranks 31st in schedule-adjusted points allowed to opposing defenses, allowing a bottom 10 adjusted sack rate, according to Football Outsiders. Giants, not a huge favorite, three and a half points, but they get uh, a Washington team that has allowed the highest adjusted sack rate in the league. We did get the full Kyle Allen experience last week because he got injured and Alex Smith came in, but... As the full-time starter last year, uh, Kyle Allen had a top or bottom, depending on how, depending on how you look at it, uh, interception rate in the league. So uh, one of the highest interception rates in the league last year as the full-time starter. So lots of turnover, turnover opportunity here for the Giants. Okay, we will get to our game theory segment in just a moment. Talk about goal-oriented bankroll strategy. I don't think we've ever talked about this. Uh, And listen, I just dream about snake drafting sometimes, TJ. I don't know about you, but I do. I just, I'm in a snake draft. And it's not just football, but in this instance, we love it. It is football, and we love big prizes, and we don't, don't love big entry fees or multi-week contests. So Underdog Fantasy just released an all-new format for their snake drafts. It's called Battle Royale. God, I love that name. 
in Battle Royale, you will draft a one-week team like you normally would, but instead of only competing against the other teams in your specific draft, you compete with teams from other drafts. Wow. This way, the pool, they pull together all the prizes, get big tournament-style payouts, and you keep the live snake draft room format. So that's pretty cool, too. And if you think... This is your week and you can draft the best team, then you got to try Battle Royale. It offers the big upside of a normal snake draft that it can't. So with prizes that used to only be attainable in season-long or salary cap tournaments, I mean, this is pretty cool. First Battle mm-hmm. Royale is already up. The Underdog app and website, 5 bucks to enter, $25,000 prize pool, pays out 5000 to first place, TJ. Mm. I love it. Mm-hmm. Just import those four for four rankings and you should be uh, good to go. I think that's it. Yeah. And then you'll just win Uh game theory. Tell me about goal oriented bankroll strategy. And you know what, before I get to the first question, how about mm-hmm. that's the first question. What are we talking yeah. about here? So we've, we've done a lot of bankroll game selection on this podcast, um, but it's really just kind of been focused on what games are available how much you're going to play. And it's really been centered around a standardized um, game selection process. So like the, the rule is like 80, 20, 10. So what that means is 10% of your bankroll uh, in play every week, 80% cash games, 20% GPPs. But that's really tailored for somebody that is really trying to do this full time. Somebody that is trying to minimize their, uh, risk of ruin. And that's really just trying to grind out a steady profit. And that's not the majority of users. Like the majority of players are, are playing for fun. Even if they're serious, um, if you're only playing NFL, you only have 17 weeks. If you're not playing other sports, you're probably not trying to do this for a living. Uh, even if you're really, really good and, and you're someone that's playing hundreds or a couple thousand bucks a week, you're still doing it to, you want to you want to get a profit, but you're also playing for upside, and and um, it's recreation for a lot of people. You want to do recreation smartly, but we haven't really got into the um, the nuances of the different types of players and mm-hmm. and what people are trying to get out of the game. So I think it would be fun with I, I've been posting like game selection charts in our Discord every week, just kind of get into what kind of player you are and and how that might change how you play DFS. So what do we got to do first? Like categorize different types of players? Yeah. I mean, so as I mentioned, we have the, the stuff we talk about a lot is, is risk minimization and a lot of the theory or bankroll um, strategy you're going to find around the industry is, is tailored to just like one specific cookie cutter, um, strategy, but I mean, basically when I look at it, I, I break it up into two big categories. So we have people that are risk takers and people that are, are very risk averse and, and knowing where you fall on that spectrum is going to drive how you want to approach the game. So most DFS players are casual players, as I mentioned. So what are you trying to get out of the game? Are you trying to maximize your upside? Like, are you just throwing a couple bucks a week um, and, and trying to turn it into thousands of dollars? That's fine. You could still do that smartly. Are you trying to play for a living? That's going to be an extremely small percentage of the listeners or users or subscribers. And 
to be completely honest, if you're doing that, you're probably going to be wanting to listen. You you can listen to us or read 444 for a football specific strategy, but if you're trying to play DFS for a living, that's going to be outside of the scope of a football only podcast. You're going to have you're probably going to be playing multiple sports, balancing your bankroll across multiple sports. Um, so that's just naturally going to fall outside of the scope of what we're doing here. Uh, I, I think what most people that are listening to this, the best strategy is going to come up with a strategy where you're playing a mix of games where assuming you're a winning player or, or close to a winning player, you can approach something where your cash game winnings covers your GPPs. So you're playing in a way that basically you're trying to like a, an old poker term. You're just trying to break even between your heaters. So if you can have your cash games win enough to offset that high variance of GPPs and a little bit vice versa until you have the G, big GPP score or one of those crazy outlier cash game weeks, um, that's probably a pretty good strategy to have instead of having a strategy where um, you're just trying to grind out like a, a cash game profit on 10% of your bankroll every week. And, and you could still do that smartly And this. Some of these strategies are going to be a little more uh, risky than that 80, 20, 10 strategy, which, which might just work for anybody. But I, I think it's definitely worth exploring how to approach this from somebody that uh, is just trying to have fun. And, and I think it's really important for people to really understand who they are and, and how much variance is in this game. Because if you are somebody that's insanely risk averse, um, in with, with money or, or games or, or games of chance, whatever it might be just in life, you're probably not going to be very good at a bankroll strategy. That's trying to maximize upside. If you're somebody that is insanely risk averse, but you're just playing like five GPP lineups every single week, you're not going to have a good time because you're going to have crazy stretches where you're making literally $0 losing all of your buy-ins. So sure in your head, you might think you want to be somebody that's just maximizing your upside. But if you're not a big risk taker, it's your approach to the game isn't going to match up. You're not, you're going to be playing not to lose instead of playing to win. So you really need to, to be able to um, evaluate yourself in that respect, I think. So then you decide what type of player you are, right? You just mentioned yeah. everything right there. Do you do it for a living or you're casual, whatever. Then what do you got the goals to go to? Yeah, I, th I think where people get, I mean, a, a lot of us, we just kind of dive into DFS and, and you'll listen to a podcast, you'll, you'll read one article and then you'll think, okay, I'll play some cash games, I'll play some GPPs, um, but not really like setting up a structure for yourself to be successful. And I think when people think about goals, when it comes to something like DFS or, or any type of gambling, um, sports betting, poker, whatever it may be they it, they they're very um they're very broad and they're not really specifying what their goals are and i think you can break it down into two very specific type of goals process oriented goals and monetary goals and i think a lot of people will see gambling or dfs see monetary goals and say that's not realistic because you can't control how much you win but i think it's also doing yourself a disservice if you don't set up some kind of goal for yourself because then you can just always blame it well i was i was working on my process so it was the right process i just lost and you could get 
caught in that feedback loop and then all of a sudden you're just losing every week, but you have quote unquote good process. So I think you break it up into process oriented goals and monetary goals and, and process oriented goals are going to be the most important. So process oriented goals are things like staying within your, um, your bankroll limits, which is something you should be setting up before you ever play a game. Uh, using proper lineup methodology. So are you adhering to things that we talk about on this podcast? Are you doing like weekly reviews? Um, are you going to the 444 DF, DFS strategy hub? Are you reviewing different types of theory that explain how you should be playing cash games, how you should be playing GPPs, what the differences are, the nuances are? If you're not doing those things, then you, you aren't really setting yourself up for success no matter how good your game selection is or, or what type of games you want to play um, other processes are, are I think you should be seeking out some kind of outside opinion like it's it's really hard to self-evaluate in a game like DFS um, because it always feels like you're building a good lineup that you wouldn't be playing if you didn't think you weren't good at it but being in something like a, a discord or a slack or, or even some people like doing one-on-one -on -one coaching which you can pay for in some spots just having a, a friend that also plays dfs getting outside eyes on what you're doing is really important because that's the only way you're going to get value valuable feedback and if you if you don't have somebody that you want to talk to or you're just not comfortable there's other ways to get that feedback like if you're playing a ton of head-to-heads or a lot of cash games or whatever you're playing you're going to be in games with you're gonna play against pros it's 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 kind of like poker in that it's one of the only realms where you can step in for the first time ever and play against somebody that does it for a living. That's one of the best in the world being quote unquote, like the same virtual table as them being the same game as them. So you should be taking advantage of that. Like look at go on into your history, open up a GPP, open up a 50, 50, you know who the best players in the world are, see what their lineups look like in the games you're playing. If you're way off, you're probably doing something wrong. And then like reviewing what site you're playing on, what bonuses are available, how much the rake is that you're playing on. Like all of these things are part of the bankroll game selection process that I think a lot of people aren't doing. Hmm. So let's talk about monetary goals. Yeah. You can start off small, get big. Maybe you just want to play in the middle. <laughs> yeah. I, I think when you like people hear monetary goals, they think something like I want to win X amount of dollars this year, or I want to turn my $100 into $10,000. And that's not what I'm talking about with monetary goals. I think with monetary goals, it's first understanding realistic win rate. So you can go on, I mean, you can do some simple math. Look at head to let's start start with cash games because they're the easiest to calculate, and look at break even percentages for games like 50-50s, games like double ups, and games like head to heads. And once you understand those, then you can say, okay, I need to be a player that wins 60% of my cash games. I need to win 60% of the time. What's the best way I can do that? Go find advice from players that are winning at that clip and see what they're doing in games. If you emulate that, more likely than not, you're going to start approaching that win rate in cash games. And with that, you can be a player that has a goal to win a certain amount of your cash games. And with that, we can pay for your GPPs. That's what I was talking about. Like setting up yourself to where you're 
low variance games are paying for your high variance games. And as long as you stay within your bankroll limits, then you can have a goal to where if I'm winning X percent, then I shouldn't have a, I shouldn't lose more than this amount in the season. So something like if I'm playing 10% of my bankroll every week and 85% of that money goes to head to heads and 50 fifties and the other 15% goes to GPPs based on this win rate. I shouldn't have more than whatever. I shouldn't lose more than 10% of my investment this year. Obviously that's contingent on you being a good player and winning. Um, but you can have that type of goal where if you win at this win rate, that's how your season's going to turn out. Um, it's, it's simple math and it takes a little bit of legwork, but as long as you understand win rates and break even percentages, you're going to be able to set up a profitable game plan to do that. All right. So here we go. This is the fun part. The risk spectrum. Yeah. I am risk averse. I am trying to be more of a risk taker. It is not yeah. a fun thing to try to do. Sure. But it's what must be done. So risk averse. I don't know how to get over it, except uh, that's it. I guess hold your breath and realize what your goals are. You know, yeah, it's, <laughs> that's it. Well, I, I, I think if you fall too far on the, um, on the side of the spectrum of like being a risk averse and not taking any risk, then you, basically you're just you're never going to realize the upside you have. And and I think the people that probably fall into this category the most are the ones that have aspirations to be pros or, or to be one of the best players in the world. So they might start out with, I don't know, like a, a 50 or a $100 bankroll and just stick to this crazy strict, like I need to play 80% cash games, all of it head to heads. Um, only going to play 10 bucks a week in, in GPPs. And that's fine. Like you're, you're, you can grind out a profit, but again, if you're only playing NFL, it's going to be really hard to recognize that equity. Um, mm -hmm. And I think you're probably if like take the biggest risks when the risks are the smallest, right? If you can afford to play a hundred bucks a week and that's not going to ruin you, if you can afford, if you, like worst case scenario, you're absolutely the worst player ever and you lose all $100 every week. And that's $1,700 over the course of four months is, isn't going to hurt you. Like take a, take some more risk, give yourself a chance to boost that bankroll a little bit more. Um, instead of playing head to heads, maybe slant towards some more double ups and 50 fifties than the, than the common suggestion. Um, slant your, your bankroll a little bit more towards GPPs focusing on rather than how often you win. I think this is where people really can, can cost themselves. It's like, I've had four losing weeks in a row or at this pace, I'm only going to win seven weeks and lose 10 weeks. If you have your one or two weeks where you blow the roof off of everybody, it doesn't matter if you only won six weeks. If two of those wins are astronomical wins, then you more than major season. So I, I think a lot of people don't give themselves the chance to have those blow up spots. Um, and then they just get caught up in this, like, I need to win this week. I need to, even if I'm squeaking out a 1% win this week, I won this week. Well, if you squeak out a 1% win every week, that's not going to be a very fun season. So um, giving yourself a little bit of of a uh, leniency when you are a super small stakes player. On the other side, being too big of a risk taker, I think is probably super obvious. Like if you're only mm -hmm. playing GPPs, uh, 
you can lose a lot of money really fast. This is probably my, my favorite DFS quote ever. Um, it's from Jonathan Bales, uh, former 4 for 4 DFS director Jonathan Bales, the original 4 for 4 DFS director Jonathan mm. Bales, now of Fantasy Labs and Action Network. What the hell happened of, to us? We're the people of, that came after him. It's just and of like... push and of and of multi and of push up championship fame, Jonathan Bales. Uh, <laughs> in his book How to Win at Daily Fantasy Sports, he says, even if you're one of the best players in the world, if you have a normal distribution of tournament finishes and a 20% long-term ROI, 20% is insanely high, a normal distribution of tournament finish, finishes, you still have about a 16% chance of being down after a sample of 1,000 GPPs. Oh so if you're a big winner and you only played one tournament lineup per week, you have about a one in six chance of still being down after 62 and a half seasons, not 62 and a half weeks, 62 and a half seasons. So people just don't understand how much variance there is in DFS and games of chance and games where we're pushing very thin margins. So if you're one of the best players ever and you only played once a week in GPPs based on how payout structures work, you, you have a almost one in six chance of being down after 62 seasons. Now, obviously, we're playing multiple lineups. You're playing, you're hedging your, your bets, you're playing cash games, you're playing GPPs. But I think that quote just really encompasses how much variance there really is in this game that we play. All right, very good. Um, so I want to get better at this, and I don't want to succumb to the pitfalls. What do I got to do? <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think be a little bit flexible with your bankroll. Don't have this insanely rigid plan, um, especially when you are newer to the game. So giving yourself like a range of buy-ins. So if you're, if you're somebody that has a $1,000 bankroll, some weeks, maybe you only play $75. Some weeks you might play $120, $130. Um, that's going to come with experience. That's going to come with understanding when and why we might do that. But in short, like playing more when the games are good, adjusting your cash and GPP mix. One of the things we've talked about the most when salaries are tight, when salaries are loose, when there's going to be a lot of overlap in, in contests. Um, those are weeks where you might want to play more GPPs because you're gonna have a ton of overlapping cash, but less percentage of your bankroll in play when salaries are insanely tight, when games are really, really difficult. Uh, we might play a higher percentage of our total bankroll, but way more in cash and fewer GPPs because we think our edge in finding value is going to be higher. Um, also adjusting to when there are just better games, new games available. If there's a game with lower rake, if there's a game offering uh, no rake, if all of a sudden we find sites where there's a ton of overlay, if we're always playing $100 a week and we have all of that money tied up on, say, for argument's sake, DraftKings, and that money is already entered in the games, and then you don't have any leeway, and then you see that Yahoo has overlay, you don't have like a couple extra bucks, you might find way more value going a little bit outside your bankroll range to spend an extra 15 or 20 bucks to have overlay on Yahoo or to play a beginner game on FanDuel that's offering no rake. Um, so just recognizing those profitable spots or, or maybe a new site is giving out tons of bonuses, throwing a couple more dollars in those spots. Those spots are really going to add up um, and, and help you uh, build that bankroll up really fast when you're in the early stages of being a DFS player. 
Mm. Lastly, yeah, we've got this is the fun part. Yeah, we got casual players that are listening, mm-hmm. and he want he or she wants upside, yeah. but they don't want to go broke. So how the yeah. heck do you do that? Yeah, so th- this is basically all of the stuff we talked about rolled up into super actionable advice. So again, um, the first thing you want to do, and we've talked about this before, is like know your true bankroll. So your bankroll isn't the one hundred dollars you have on FanDuel. Um, your true bankroll is like what can I starting at now we're already in week six, but whatever, say you're starting this week between now and the end of the season, what am I willing to invest or what can I afford to invest in the season? So if that number is $5,000, your bankroll isn't the $100 you have on the site. Your bankroll is $5,000 and you should be approaching each week as that. So if you want to play 10% of your bankroll every single week, your bankroll is $500 every single week. And if you aren't playing that much, you're costing yourself upside. If you can afford $5,000 in the season, you want to play 10%, play $500 every week. There's no point in not maximizing your upside there if that's what you can afford. Don't play above your bankroll limits. That's dangerous. That's how you um, end up having four jobs because of DFS. But play within (laughs) your bankroll limits. Um, so for example, it's better than um, having child support. It's all tough. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, what is the child support of DFS? What you were just talking about having four jobs. Uh, that's the rake. The rake is child. Support. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to lower, you want to lower the child support. Now that this is, so this is the fun part. I think this, as I mentioned, the standard is like that 80, 20, 10 rule, 10% of your bankroll and play 80% cash games, 20% GPPs. Um, that's really for people that are really just trying to grind out a long-term profit that want to do this for a living that have a bankroll where they're doing this for a living. If you're somebody that plays say a hundred dollars a week, I think here this is a really good way to start. And this is something that I have used in the past and I've tweaked it a little bit. And this is kind of my tweaked approach for somebody that might be starting out fresh. So instead of like an 80, 20, 10 rule, Let's say you're playing $100 a week. I would say you can adjust that to out of your $100, just playing like $65 or $70 in cash games. So down to like 60 to 70% of your money in playing cash games, which is still risky. But again, we're talking about somebody that is kind of playing this recreationally that isn't really worried about their exact risk of ruin, um, but wants to balance that that uh, walk that tightrope of trying to have their cash games pay for their GPP. So I would say if you have $100, play about $55 in head-to-heads. And I want to put all of those in $1 head-to-heads because I want to get um, what I deserve from my lineup. And, and my range of opponents is going to offer me that. And then after that, I'm going to take about 5 to 10 bucks and play that in single-entry double-ups or or single-entry 3x games, that's going to give you a little bit of upside on your... on your turn on, I'm sorry, on your cash game. So if you have a lineup that out of those 55 head to heads you play, if you only win 30 of them, you're going to have a very small return, but you're going to have 10 bucks in a double up. And if that hits, that's an extra 10 bucks that you wouldn't have just in head to heads. And then I want to take another five to 10. And this is where I think mine is a little bit unique. Um, I, I don't see anyone else talking about this much. They say, throw your, you say it all the time, throw your cash lineup in a GPP, right? Yeah. Just a single entry GPP. Yeah. So I've, I've, um, just in case it goes off. So I've modified that a little bit. 
because most of these GPPs, it's, it's I think it's going to be really hard to get a lot of upside from your cash lineup uh, unless you find unless you're playing really high stakes. Most of the single entry P, single entry GPPs are going to be a few hundred people, if not a thousand. It's just going to be really hard for a cash lineup to climb the ladder in that. So what I found is these winner take all games. So DraftKings has a nine dollar 130 man winner take all one thousand dollars to first. So if you're in this bankroll range that I'm talking about, just $100 in play. If you play this every single week, this $9 game, that's only a $153 investment over 17 weeks. If you break even between your cash and your GPPs everywhere else, and you hit this winner take all only one time, you've almost doubled your bankroll on the year. So if you zero out everywhere else, and you have one good cash week where you can beat 130 people, you're going to turn your $1,000 into about $1,850. So almost double your bankroll just off this one good week. So I really like that winner-take-all approach. They're available on FanDuel. They're available on DraftKings. You can find smaller ones, 50 or 60-man. Um, but it's I think it's a good alternative and, and to just throwing it into a random GPP and probably more realistic upside. And then take the remaining $30 to $35 Play it in a three max or a five max. It's going to get you exposure to um, some of these real GPP plays that we talked about. Kind of get you in a mindset practice for if you do want to be a 150 max player, getting some of these tournament um, uh, uh, fundamentals under your belt. And the three max or five max is going to put you on an even slate with the other players. So instead of playing a game where you have three lineups and somebody else has 150, you're on an even playing field and, and you could play, I don't know, three $10 games, five $7 games. I think FanDuel actually has exactly that, uh, a $7 five max. It's a really good structure tournament. And then if you want to give yourself a little bit more um, of a hedge and, and take a little bit less risk, you can take that exact breakdown that I just said, split it between two sites. So 30 bucks on on uh, Fandle head heads, 30 bucks on DraftKings head heads, five bucks on Fandle double ups, five bucks on DraftKings double ups, five bucks winner take all Fandle, five bucks winner take all um, DraftKings. So I think that last little portion is like a super actionable way for people that ask kind of the same question in different ways all the time. Uh, I think that's a really, really good casual player breakdown that's going to give you a lot of bang for your buck and and a really fun dfs experience 12 dollar 250k fair catch single entry Twenty-four thousand five hundred nine entries uh last yep. year my dk lineups went over 200 twice and okay and yeah. you're not it's almost impossible to take it down with your cash lineup, right okay right but why not you know, take, yeah, no, why no, not I'm, hit for 20 X one week? Yeah. I just wanted to give an alternative. Cause I don't think people go past the, um, I don't think people, people often look past the feature lobby. So I just wanted to point out those winner sure. take alls. Cause I just don't think people are, are aware of them. And I think it's just a really, really good option. Um, if you, and, and you get the, I mean, let's face it, the high of winning the whole thing, you know, it's cool. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think it gives you that, um, it gives you that 
option like to, to beat out 130 people and if you're playing 100 bucks a week and you have a $1,000 win like that's going to feel pretty damn good mm -hmm. um, so that it's, it's an alternative I, I agree with you there's definitely single entry tournaments that are very very viable in this setup don't you dare mess with my cash game nah, single man, entry I, tournament I'm not saying don't theory. do it you should definitely be doing it <laughs> put your cash game somewhere that's going to give you upside um, remember everybody sign up with your promo code DFS MVP. That is your promo code. That is our promo code. Get 25% off a subscription. You've been listening to this podcast for years. You still haven't signed up for four for four. What are you waiting for? Come on, get inside, get the inside information and all you subs out there. You know how good it is. TJ, I'm going to say goodbye now. Goodbye, TJ. I'll say that uh, if you do sign up and, and you're in our, you're in our discord and listen to this um podcast uh shoot a message on discord and i will happily shoot over a spreadsheet that breaks down exactly what we just talked about all you have to do is plug in how much money you want to play and it'll tell you exactly how much to put in each game um again that's in our discord uh holden told you how you can get the discount if you want some more of what we have to say always follow us on twitter holden's at holden radio four for four at four for four football myself at tj hernandez Happy uh, week six. We'll talk to you guys we in week seven. Y'all use mouth to mouth, bring the party to life. Don't be scared, show another party of life. The more drinks in your system, the harder to fight. When I move, you move. Just like that. When I move, you move. Just like that. When I move, you move. Just like that. Hell yeah, hey DJ, bring that back. When I move, you move. Just like that. When I move, you move. Just like that. When I move, you move. Just like that. Hell yeah, hey DJ.